Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Paul Truesdell, and you are listening to Connecting Dots. It's Monday, October 7th, 2019. It has been reported that a cyclone has caused 40-foot waves. It struck Calcutta, India, and 300,000 people have died. Now, the United States and the United Nations, they're completely silent on the issue. In fact, there is no aid expected in any way, shape, or form. There will be no effort on the part of the United States or the United Nations to help India with this massive killing of 300,000 people as a result of the cyclone. My question to you today is, are you appalled? Well, don't be appalled because the cyclone took place on this date in 1737. That's 282 years ago. In fact, that's 39 years before the Declaration of Independence by our founding fathers. By the way, it was called the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union back in the day. Our founding fathers did not create a constitution. They created a confederation. Something that uh, has happened and existed in India for a long time, especially with their current political party situation. And this is something that, well, is pretty much ignored by most history teachers and school districts. Can't talk about the Articles of Confederation. But the original 13 states, now known as the United States of America, was first organized as independent states. And how we operate under a league of friendship is what it was based on back then. There's also something that's interesting on this date. This is the date in 2003 where California held an election and recalled Governor Gray Davis. And as a result, Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor. So we're going to go back to the 1700s. The East India Tea uh, Tea Company, well, the East India Company, actually. And I'm going to connect a whole bunch of things like Enron and gas and oil and revolution. And, well, that's why we call it Connecting Dots. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to do a deep dive first, and we're going to then move into our bite-sized bites next. And uh, what we're first going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about our disclaimer, because that's important that you know this. Always remember, never forget that we have a position in so many different companies, either by way of our business or me personally and our clients, that we want you to always remember, never forget. When we talk about a company, assume that there's conflict of interest, okay? You just got to do that. So with that, what do you say we get started? Well, let's talk for a moment about, uh, well, American and British school children who have been taught about, well, the famous Tea Act of 1773. Nah, most people don't remember that. In fact, I guarantee you probably 70, 80% of the American school children, if you said the Tea Act of 1773, would have a blank look on their face. Doesn't make any difference if they're in elementary school, high school, or in college. It has to do with the Boston Tea Party. That's what everybody calls it, but... Just exactly why were the Boston colonists upset? And why did these people throw tea, thousands and thousands of pounds of tea, into Boston Harbor? Now, just so you know, I think this is kind of interesting. My family oh, me, oh my. goes back to uh, England. And we can trace our history back to the 900s. We actually come from Boston in Lincolnshire in England. And Truesdells actually are some of the founding members of Boston and Massachusetts. An interesting history. And if you ever want to hear it, give me a call. I'll tell you all about it. But the key thing is, back in 1773, why did they do this? Well, there was actually collusion between the government and the East India East India Company. Now, it really wasn't collusion as you would think it. It wasn't pure, unadulterated, cooperative corporatocracy. Now, that's a word that you should get real familiar with because corporatocracies exist all over the world. And the United States is not a democracy. It's not a republic. It really is a corporatocracy. Oh, no. So the Tea Act was designed by the British Parliament to specifically help the East India Company, which had a whole bunch of tea, okay? They had millions and millions and millions of pounds of unsold tea in their English warehouses. So what did they do? Well, they came up with an idea. (gasps) 
will dump the tea on the Americans, okay? So this surplus tea came here, and it was meant to enforce the East India Company's monopoly on tea in the colonies. Don't you all be making tea. You're going to have to buy it from me. That's how it worked. I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, Donald Trump and a fellow by the name of Tim Cook, who took over for the late Steve Jobs when he died for Apple, they kind of got a cozy relationship going, which is kind of weird because uh, Tim Cook supported Hillary Clinton. But old Tim Cook, he knows how to schmooze and get things squirted around. And if you kind of look at Tim Cook and you look at Bill Gates, you can see some similarities there. These guys know how to quietly work things, okay? So here's the thing. Let's go back to that T-Act. See, they enforced on the colonists, that would be us guys here in the United States, which back then they were the colonies, this monopoly, right? It would be like Trump saying to every American, you know, you're not going to buy any more damn computers from anybody other than Apple, and I'm going to tax you to the point where the only computer you can afford is an Apple. Now, what do you think people would do? Well, People who like Apple probably wouldn't care much. Yeah, it's fine, you know, whatever. Everybody else would be upset. So here's the thing. Ultimately, the T Act allowed the East India Company to drive competition out. Well, a bunch of people kind of didn't like that stuff, okay? So again, think about this in terms of money. That's an important concept. Oh. Money is what drives everything. I don't care if you're a communist, a socialist, Bernie Sanders, that crazy nut AOC out of New York. I don't care if you're wackadoodle. I don't care who you are. It's always about money. Oh. So if you heard some of our prior podcasts, Jerry Maguire, Show Me the Money, it's one of the things we're doing here in Connecting Dots is trying to get you to think in terms that's going to make you profitable. It is what it is, what it is, what it is. So these colonists said, man, that ain't right. And we don't like supporting your business over our business. And so we want liberty. Now, this is where the phrase comes from, no taxation without representation, okay? So you start to see how this all pulls together. Now, as we continue on, the East India Company, okay, the English East India Company was formally created way back in the 1600s, okay? And you had these merchants in London, they were trading, and and they had all these different companies, but the point is... They were formed for the specific purpose of exploitation of trade in East and Southeast Asia and India. And they were created by a royal charter on December 31st, 1600. Now, the relationship between government and private industry, as well as different entities such as, so... Sonic lodges, fraternal organizations of all types. That goes back a long, long way. You do remember, and you should know, awful lot of the founding fathers were Masons. Now, we're not going to get into what Masons are and what Masonry, uh, the Masonic lodges are all about, but I do want to give you a little idea about the power of association. And it goes back to October 26, 1866, when you actually had a corporation chartered by the United States government, that's right, a special act of Congress went into effect on March 3rd, 1869, and it again allowed this company that was organized by charter in, in, in 1866, this is the period of the Civil War, it's called the Masonic Mutual Relief Association of the District of Columbia. Now, just think about this. You had to be a Mason to get this thing. A lot of the founding fathers were Masons. This once was a pretty powerful company, a good fraternal organization. And what they did is they were issuing life insurance policies to Masons, and they were incorporated, and they started in District Columbia. Hmm, let's connect some dots. Oh, no. Now, eventually this company became the Acacia Life Insurance Company, and they were an incredibly great company until eventually they demutualized. Now, this was a mutual insurance company. This is very, very important. This is a company where when you bought a policy, you were also a shareholder. So the interests of you and the company were aligned on the same page. Generally speaking, companies, the mutual companies, they didn't, the CEOs didn't get paid a lot of money. There was no such thing as stock options. It was, just wasn't that way. You owned a policy, you had a proportional share of the company. And if the company made a profit, guess what? Those profits came back to you. So it was a cool thing. 
I have always been a big believer in mutual insurance companies. Again, it's controlled by the policyholders. Just something I've always, always felt about that's really, really strong. But eventually this company got, uh, oh, they went the way of uh, MetLife and Prudential where they allowed demutualization. They took a fantastic company and turned it to shit. And it sold, uh, became, it became publicly held sold out to a company called Emeritus and the CEOs and all the people in power, man, they made out like a, like bandits. That's all there is to it. In my opinion, you just, that's all public record, but that's not the point. The point is this. Oh no. The point is the government has always had a special relationship with certain fraternal organizations. Whoever's in power, the political power at the time, they're always going to get a pay to play. You're going to get your pothole filled if you give a political contribution. And so this old East India Company that the English created back in the 1600s, yeah, you shouldn't be surprised about that. You shouldn't be surprised that Arnold Schwarzenegger got elected governor. You shouldn't be surprised what's going on today. Let's continue to tie some things together. So, you know, here's the thing. We're going to start a company and we want a monopoly, right? I mean, Bill Gates, if you watch the Netflix show, we're going to talk about Bill Gates and we're going to tie him and Warren Buffett into this discussion. You know, it just it, there's no surprises going on here because you want to have a monopoly. Okay, Now, remember that what I said when you watch that show, again, I think a three or four part series on Netflix about Bill Gates. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But again, the company became involved in politics and it acted as an agent for British imperialism. Well, no, they really weren't an agent. They were British imperialism. And so from the 18th and 19th century, I mean, they, they had activities in China and India. I mean, they were the catalyst for this massive expansion that the British had at one time. I mean, the British today are just, it's a joke. They're nothing compared to what they were years ago. So what was going on back then where you had to have this company? Spice, not the Spice Girls, spice as in trading spices, okay? People have a palate. People want to taste things that are good. Now, let's think about this for a second. You know and I know that if you have something that's pleasing to the eye and it tastes good and smells good, get all the senses going, you're willing to pay a premium for it. You take a cup of coffee, okay? You take that coffee and you just pour a bunch of beans into a cup. Doesn't mean anything to you, right? But then you grind them, you roast them, you brew them, and you put it in a cup. You can charge a whole lot more than those unground beans. But then you put it into fine bone china. Oh, let's put that china on a plate. Instead of just putting that little saucer in that cup, let's have a nice gold-plated spoon, because you got to have gold-plated spoons for your sugar, right? And to turn the tea when you put your milk in it. I wouldn't do milk, but some people do. Oh, hey, better yet, let's put a tablecloth, pretty white ironed tablecloth on a table, and let's get a vase or vase, whatever you want to say, put some flowers in, ideally some, some roses, Tell you what we'll do. We'll get something else known as chocolate. Mm, that comes from that area too. Let's get some other spices, maybe some cinnamon that we can put in our tea. We got our milk. We got our chocolate on a nice white linen tablecloth table, right? It's iron and press. Put a guy in a monkey suit. That would be, oh, let's say a tuxedo. It's a modified tux. He's going to have a little towel over his left arm. He's going to be well-groomed. He's going to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Quiet, silent service. We sit down. He's going to serve us our tea from the right side. And we're going to have high tea. Yes, because it looks good. We're going to pay a damn pretty penny for it. But here's the thing. Don't forget this now. You got to have the tea. Got to make the money on the tea. And you start squeezing the nickels and dimes, it's a whole lot easier to make money when you got a monopoly than when you're in fierce competition. So starting this monopolistic trading company is one thing, but we also have to understand that it was formed for spices. We talked about that. But what we also need to understand, we had to break that monopoly that was at the time going on with Spain and Portugal. How dare they think about themselves being able to compete with the English? We're going to have to have a war. So we had the defeat of the Spanish Armada in 1588. Send them to the bottom of the ocean, to the graves of watery hell. And so England had a chance to break this monopoly by going to war. Now, always remember and never forget this. Oh, me, oh, my. Those of you who are in the military or law enforcement, you do realize that you're nothing more than pawns in a giant game of chess. Always been that way and always will be that way. Now, this is that time when people are going to go... <laughs> 
You can't talk like that, Polly. I was in law enforcement. I took an oath. I was in the military. I took an oath. I defended my nation. Oh, horseshit. You are nothing more than a mob. I don't care what anybody says, whether it was Napoleon, whether it's the United uh, Soviet Union from years ago, whether it's Fidel Castro, whether it's China today or Donald Trump, whatever he wants to do in the Middle East, our 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 butts are in Afghanistan, were there nothing more than organized thugs to make sure that the people who are running the money situation can continue to run the Listen, the whole world runs on money. It's all about economics. And the quicker you realize that, the better off you're going to be. This whole thing about patriotism, oh, for the love of God, grow up. That's just a thing that people do to get the, the masses to, to buy the nonsense that's going on because you got to have muscle. If you're a drug dealer, for example, if you're a drug dealer, for example, what do you think you're doing? You got to have some muscle. You got to make sure that you got people around you. You got to carry a gun, right? Come on. Of course you do. You got a retail business. You got a door. When the doorbell goes off, I mean, somebody's walking in. You got cameras. You might have security guards. You got a jewelry store. You got to muscle up. And if you don't, if you watch these shows like Pawn Stars and everything else from years ago, these guys carry guns, of course they do. Oh, but we want to eliminate guns. Guns kill people. you damn right guns kill people. Bad people need to be killed. And you need a, you have the right to defend yourself. This whole thing about, I'm going to get every gun. That idiot running for, the, for President of the United States and the Democratic Party from Texas, Beto Boy or whatever his name is. I, again, I don't follow some of this stuff anymore. I just... It, let me know when it's all over with, then I'll know what to deal with. In the meantime, I don't have the time to play in, the, in this political sandbox crap that's going on. But I know he, Beetle Boy wants to, he basically channeled the American president at the very end when Michael Douglas says, I'm going to come and get your guns, blah, blah. Ain't never going to happen. There are so many guns in the world. You disarm yourself, good, yeah, sitting duck, quack, 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 quack. As a guy who used to be a law enforcement officer, I can absolutely unequivocally, beyond exclusion of every reasonable doubt, tell you, you got to take care of yourself. Cops come in and clean up a situation, try to find somebody and let the criminal justice system work. Of course, criminal justice system always works for those who are connected. It's always going to be that way. The only reason it's fair is for the people. You got two people, okay, they got a situation. They're not connected. Okay, you might have some justice there. You got somebody who's connected, somebody who's not connected. Guess what? No justice. It's always going to be that way. And so in order to make sure that our system works, you got to have muscle. You got to have troops to enforce it. It's just like uh, Gaddafi. Remember old Muammar Gaddafi? Oh, no. Yep. Muammar did something he should not have done. Muammar, <laughs> he started creating. And again, we'll put us a link in the, web, in, the, in, in, in the show notes. NATO and the United States killed Muammar Gaddafi to stop him from creating what's known as a gold-backed currency. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. He was a huge threat to the gold and silver reserves. Do you realize that he had amassed about 143 tons of gold? By the way, where is that gold? Oh, no. And he had silver as well. So the goal there was to get the French franc back in as the primary currency in Africa. Now, one of the things you got to always remember and never forget, you got to follow the money. Always follow the money. That's the reason I always use that Jerry Maguire thing. Oh. Yeah, there you go. We're like connecting a whole bunch of things all together here today. And when you start screwing with currencies, <clears throat> well, when Facebook announced their little uh, currency uh, foyer, watch what happens and see all the people who are now going to bail out of it and watch to see what happens to Facebook, in my opinion, forecasting in the weeks, months, and days ahead. So when I talked about the fact that the United States, it's a myth that we have a democracy or even a uh, republic that's going to get a lot of people's underwear in a bind. I realize that. But you guys got to take a giant chill pill. So let's go back to John Adams. That's right, John Adams. He was one of our really famous founding fathers. Okay, He equated democracy with mob rule. He wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing. Now, we created a republic. We do not have a democracy. Anyone who says, oh, we have a democracy. Oh, no is a fool. We don't. We have a republic. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. One republic for which it stands. Come on, guys. Pay attention. Jeez, crime. It burns me up when we have, especially teachers, putting propaganda in the heads of our kids 
who generation after generation, you don't know the difference between a democracy and a republic. And if you don't, I don't have any problem with you. But just get your head out of the sand. Read what the definition is of a democracy, what is a republic, and then look up what a corporatocracy is. That's right. You see, in America, you're supposed to have power through representatives. Well, actually, you don't have any power at all. The truth is the United States is not either a democracy or a republic. It's a rule by corporatocracy. It's a partnership with corporations. And the bailout, that too big to fail after 2008, that is nothing more than proof ever, ever was. I know people, you know, everybody like, oh, we got to bail them out. Well, these guys created the situation. We shouldn't have bailed anybody out. Well, here's the thing. I got news for you. When you have a bunch of people who are hurt and you're at a hospital and you're in the emergency room, who do you treat? You don't treat the people who are most injured. You treat the people who are most likely going to live, okay? So those that have little boo-boos that need a Band-Aid, throw them a Band-Aid and keep on moving. Put it on yourself, okay? Suck it up, buttercup. You got to take care of yourself. You shouldn't be here in the first place. That's one of the problems we have with healthcare. Some guy comes in, half a head, his body's all blown up, likely going to die. Well, sign our Sam, see at the funeral, we don't have the time or effort right now to put into you. Now, everybody else, we're going to work on them. Now, if Sammy lives, well, that's great, but he's low in the totem pole because he's extremely screwed up. It's always going to be that way, okay? But hey, when it comes to a corporatocracy, too big to fail, they got to take care of the big guys. Why? Because the big guys control the company. You can't let the big guys go down because the company is the U.S. Remember what Calvin Coolidge, he happened to be a president of the United States, he said the business of the government is what? Business. That's what he said. So the U.S. corporatocracy system that we have today, it's existed in basically all modern tyrannies and, and ancient tyrannies and strongman rules. It's nothing more than corporations and the wealthy who serve their own self-interest. Now, when I say this, you can't get upset about it. You have to accept this if you're going to invest. You know, you can tie your horse onto a, onto a post and you ain't going anywhere. You can tie yourself to a dead horse and you ain't going anywhere. Or you can tie yourself to a stallion, a good workhorse or a plow horse, whatever you want to do, a good old-fashioned mule, and it's healthy and it's been fed and kept up. It's going to go places you tie yourself to that horse. Here's the thing. In my business, I'm tying myself to horses, horses that are getting places, horses that have a track record. They know what they're doing. So the ruling class in this country, well, I got news for you. We can have all the candidates in the world, but the interests of corporations, and remember, if you listen to, again, other connecting dots, I think it was last one, I talked about the 17th Amendment, actually had some people send notes to me saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. We should always elect our senators. No, you don't. No, you, you don't know what you're doing. But the bottom line is, you know, Democrats, Republicans, it's all special interests, okay? You don't have to cut, you don't have to bribe people anymore. Uh, you know, again, there's really no more bribes. It's just a formalized, informal method of, of bribing. It's just winning by way of writing checks. So, again, the key thing is indirect financing of, client, of uh, candidates, you're indebted to them. Friends get jobs. You know, then you go into the private sector. You know, oh, I'm a Speaker of the House of Representatives. And then my husband has this great real estate company. Or I wind up going to a lobbying firm. Oh, my God. It's just a revolving door. It's huge. These high-paying lobbying jobs, the relationships with government. We used to have a guy by the name of Boehner. He was Speaker of the House. Now he's like one of the biggest proponents of dope. Okay, so he is now a big proponent of, of marijuana, and he's getting paid. Of course he's getting paid. They want all of these things. So this integration between uh, giant corporations and the U.S. government, it's a revolving door, just like it was years ago with the British and the East India Tea Company. It's been that way with Christopher Columbus, who sailed the ocean blue. Got news for you. It was a corporate venture. Once you get that in your head and you listen to the rest of this, it'll all start making a lot more sense and you'll get ahead a lot quicker by using guys like me who are realists, not pie-in-the-sky BS artists trying to sell you some financial product that those guys are creating to screw you out of more money month after month, day after day. Now, over the years, I've done a lot of uh, podcasting here and I've talked to a lot of you about how we vote against, by way of proxies, the excessive compensation of 
publicly traded companies and their chief executive officers. Why? The reason is really simple this, they're employees. Excessive compensation is wrong. There's laws, rules, regulations have been passed. It's just wrong. I will tell you, I think Elizabeth Warren, if she becomes president of the United States, somebody's going to assassinate that woman. I'll tell you the reason why. And if you're listening, Elizabeth, anybody who is a supporter of her, you're barking up the wrong tree, honey bunch. You don't understand that you talk about the top 1% or the top 20 or 10%, y'all just are missing it, okay? And I love doing that Southern thing, y'all are missing it. Because, you know, it's like the Southern dumb dog. Here's the way it works. 99% too low, 1% too large. It's the top one-tenth of 1%. It's that one-thousandth of a percent, actually, that controls everything. And they're not the Steve Jobs of the world. No, innovators, forget it. You want to make it into the top fractional of a percent, one one thousandth of a percent. You want to make it there? Become a big suck up, a big brown noser. Go into corporate America. Get you got to go to Harvard, Yale, and you got to get the right connections. You don't go to those schools to learn anything, by the way. You go to those schools to make the connections. That's what it's all about. You make the connections, and then you become a corporate bigwig by brown nosing your way up and keep going up. It's the financial wheeler dealers. Okay, these are the people. Okay, now a survey recently showed that 43% of the we call super elite are executives of non-financial companies. 18% are in finance, 12% lawyers or real estate. So these are not, to put it mildly, professions with, you know, no real economic contribution to the world. These are people that are in positions that are, you know, they're not really making things. Now, the key thing is a top fraction, okay, one-tenth of a percent. If you're making $2,757,000 a year, you're in a top one-tenth of one percent, okay? One one-hundred-thousandth of a percent. I mean, you're way up there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I don't know how to say this to make it really clear to you. Let's just do this. I'll do it in fractions so that you get it. 0.1%, okay? 0.1%. 1% would be 1.0. And when all these people were talking about those of us in the 1%, and it just really pissed me off because top 1% makes $718,000, but the top 0.1% is $2 million more, $2,757,000. Now, if you're in that elite super number, you're making 5.2% of all of the wages in the country. The top 1% makes 13.4% of all the wages in the country. The top 5, 28, and the top 10, 39. So here's the thing. Nobody works for a poor person. Nobody does. But when money is tied up and doesn't get back into the swing of things, that's bad. That's where we rail all the time against foundations, charitable uh, remainder trusts, charitable trusts. I got to tell you, I got news for you. When you start locking money up, there's a lot of history in the world that when you do not have the ability to get up and down within a generation or two, you start really locking it up, there's revolution. And I'm not saying that we're going to have a revolution. What I'm saying is when you start sowing the seeds, those people, the corporatocracy, the, you know, too big to fail, we got to protect everybody. You might want to do your reading and research and understand exactly what's going on. Everybody hates a monopoly, but everybody wants their Amazon delivered tomorrow. Now, let's go back to Arnold Schwarzenegger and a guy by the name of Gray Davis. Now, old Gray Davis was governor of the state of California. In a political climate, man, it was upside down in the early 2000s. See, California was having an electricity crisis. A whole lot of people saw their electric prices going up, up, up as much as man, two and three times. And energy consumption was going bonkers. So the state of, oh, California, love, feel good, it's all great. And they were in some really bad issues. They had some rolling blackouts. What they did is they held the governor responsible. Doesn't make any difference. He's sitting in the driver's seat. He's responsible. So they had a recall election, and they said everything in the world, how he mismanaged, oh, just literally everything. Okay. What they also said is that Gray Davis was actively involved with a group of Californians who were involved in energy fraud. So they passed legislation and created emergency executive orders, and they just went after people, okay? But didn't do anything. They had inflated prices. They, well, you had Republicans. Well, they were friendly, you know, to the governor. They had... California was all, you know, the, the corporate fraud and the, the, the control there is unbelievable. Again, follow the money. And if you look at the political contributions, it's all online. It doesn't show you everything. It doesn't show you the payoff where this person gets a job from that person and all the, the boards of directors. 
Again, to get an idea of that, you want to know why Bill Gates was really smart. Don't get me wrong. He's really smart, but it sure did help to have daddy being a really super influential lawyer in town, okay? A daddy who understood how to organize social events and a mommy who was a social butterfly who sat on all these boards of directors. They laid the seeds, okay? Things take generations to do, folks. That's the reason why I talked to you about Edward C. Banfield, The Heavenly City Revisited, Chapter 3, Paragraph 54, and that whole area where it talks about, again, time horizon. And then you had a whole bunch of other people. Arianna Huffington, she's a nut, by the way. Smart, but she's a nut. And she was arguing that Gray Davis and all his contributions from, ready, this is important. Oh, me, oh, my. The California Correctional Peace Officers Association. Oh, he got over $2 million from them. And then he actually raised over the last few years $5 billion in additional political contributions from all these law enforcement people. And he was giving them payoffs by having higher pensions. Ah. Uh, of course he was. Listen, have you ever seen what law enforcement officers are making for pensions these days? It's amazing. Do you know what pension spiking is all about? So they looked into it. No, I couldn't find him guilty of anything. Couldn't prosecute it. But the whole thing about Gray Davis, you ready for this? A little company from Houston that became a big company and a big scandal took down a major American institution. And the name was? Oh, me, oh, my. Enron. So now we're going to talk a little bit about Enron, but remember, Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor of the state of California because he jumped on this bandwagon to get Gray Davis out of office. And he said things, and of course, when he was in office, nothing happened. I mean, he just was a caretaker governor. He did what he had to do, but he was connected in Hollywood. So a lot of things happened. I'm not going to get into it, but the bottom line is Schwarzenegger was able to profit and benefit from Enron. And here's what it was. Enron was an American corporation that, well, it was an energy corp company, but it traded in commodities, okay? It was based in Houston, Texas. Oh, me, oh, my. Yeah, where are those Bush guys from? Oh, yeah, they're from the Texas area, I believe. Oh, no. And they happen to be in oil. So they wound up getting in a company. 1985 it was a merger between the Houston Natural Gas Company and Inner North. And these are two little tiny companies. They were regional companies. But before it went bankrupt on December 3rd, 2001, it had 29,000 people. It was a major electricity and natural gas and communications pulp and paper company at revenues of $101 billion. From 1985 to 2000, it was a little tiny company, a regional, a couple of guys got together, and it became, as Fortune named Enron, America's most innovative company for six consecutive years. It was knocking down some massive money. So this is the date in which Arnold Schwarzenegger, if we go back in time, became governor of the state of Florida. <laughs> became governor of the state of Florida, my butt. He became governor of the state of California. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so here we continue on. You notice how you have Enron and you have California and prices going up. When you look at revolutions, when you look at people getting upset, it's always the same thing. Now, at the end of 2001, it was revealed that Enron, well, their financial condition really wasn't that great. It was sustained by institutionalized, systematic, creative, planned fraud. It was accounting fraud. So you know and I know, if you listen to anything here on Connected Dots, I have railed against corporate accounting. One plus one is two, unless it's corporate accounting, it might be three, four, or five. And they, again, the scandal destroyed the company. They went belly up. And it brought into question accounting practices that eventually wound up with the passage of what's called Sarbanes-Oxley, the Act of 2002. Went into effect pretty quickly, and it also resulted in one of the largest accounting firms in the world, Arthur Anderson, gone. Because Arthur Anderson had been the accounting firm for Enron. Now, you know and I know I talk a lot about fiduciary standards. Oh, no! Here's where this works. Arthur Anderson was doing the books, certifying that the books were fine. Certified public accountants, the word certified public accountants, CPA, that has to do with securities. Because for a publicly traded company, they have to have certified accounting practices. And so CPAs are the creation basically of the SEC. Okay, When the SEC was created, you had to have something that certifies these books and records. And CPAs are actually licensed on a state level. Kind of a weird history. I uh, actually know it, understand it, enjoy it, but it's too complex for most people to understand, so I won't go to it. 
But the bottom line is a CPA, and they put their stamp on and says that these these numbers are good. That's like a notary. I mean, that's like your stamp of approval, right? The problem was Anderson had Anderson Consulting. So they were telling these guys how to have off-book assets, how to hide money, how to do different creative accounting things. And they were basically playing both sides of of the table. No different than when you have a dual registered person in the financial services industry. They're a broker on one day, making a big fat commission, telling you they're an investment advisor the next day. As an investment advisor, telling you, oh, we're a fiduciary, but they're making a slow bleed commission, assets under management, which is nothing more than, I mean, it's just a destruction of wealth. And for example, a quick item here. Oh. You want to know why all these guys and gals are going to commission-free trading? Okay. You think this is all great. Oh, everybody's talking about this is fantastic. Ah. Yeah. All they're doing is hiding more and more of the money that they're making on cash and other things, the hypothecation of securities. Guys, you're getting ready to get screwed, but you don't know the basics. Oh, but I'm an investor. I invest in the S&P 500. No, you're not. You're an abdicator. You don't know what's going on. Enron. Enron was something I screamed about years ago. Arthur Anderson. I've talked about banking. I talked about the real estate nonsense. I'm on the record for it. I've got a 34-year history of being that guy. I don't fight windmills, okay? Don Quixote, don't fight windmills. No, no, no. This Don, I just know that I, you know, it's not a dragon. I'm going to fight the windmill. I'm going to bring a, I'm going to bring matches and burn the son of a bitch down. That's what you want for an investment advisor, in my opinion. So again, what's the point? Well, the point is simply this. What's the point? Well, let's go back to the 300,000 Indians I said who died in 1737, 282 years ago. I got news for you. Events like this have been happening. They've happened many, many times over. They're going to happen today, tomorrow, and the years ahead. This whole thing about global warming and global cooling and climate change, that's all nonsense. Look, people have figured out how to make money beforehand in the name of the impact of humans on the climate. It's all about money. Oh, me, oh, my. People engage in revolutions when there's not enough food, water, shelter, clothing, and now energy, freedom of speech, association, labor. Yeah, 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 yeah. California, it was energy. It was all about electricity. Oh, no. And so Gray Davis lost his job as governor. I mean, do you realize how few people have been impeached as governor? Two. <laughs> That's it. He was the second one. And Enron, oh, see, Enron, they were the new face in the old game of politics. They were used by Arnold. But see, here's the problem with Arnold. Arnold was not the heir apparent. Oh. The heir apparent was a fellow by the name of Tom McClintock. He's the one that was supposed to be governor. Just like that girl Graham was supposed to be the Democratic nominee in Florida. And we would have had somebody like, oh, let's see, the mayor in Tampa, uh, the former mayor, he just, uh, he's left office. He would have been the lieutenant governor. Okay, so Buckhorn, it would have been Graham and Buckhorn. But that uh, mayor from Tallahassee, he won. He wasn't supposed to win. Obama, he wasn't supposed to win. He upset the Clinton train, just like Nixon. Nixon wasn't supposed to be president of the United States. They didn't want Nixon. And if you go back and look at Eisenhower's military-industrial complex discussion, why did Eisenhower pick Nixon? Man, one day I'll tell you that story. And again, I'm a subject matter expert on that era when it comes to, oh, Nixon and Reagan and and, uh, Earl Warren and how that all went down with uh, Eisenhower. But you do realize back in the days you had the Rockefellers and had the Tafts and you had different people. You had the East Coast and the Midwest Republicans and Nixon wasn't supposed to get that thing. He upset the apple cart, okay? Obama upset the Clinton cart. Arnold upset the traditional Republican cart. And Trump, oh boy, he's upset the whole world. So the wheels are always going to continue to turn. I mean, they can shoot the president of the United States. Kennedy was assassinated. Everything kept on going. You had people shoot Teddy Roosevelt. You've had a lot of assassinations, McKinley. But people got to realize one thing. is what I said before. Calvin Coolidge says the reason, purpose for good, the business of government is business. I mean, it's all there is to it. It's going to continue to go. You shouldn't be surprised, for example, oh. that you have all these people in the dark gray state who are upset with uh, Trump. They want him out. Come hell or high water, they want to get this man out. So what's surprising to me is this. 
I'm kind of surprised that people are shocked in any way, shape, or form that the system's rigged. I mean, the men and women of all races who are in the shadows, who are pulling the strings of business, that's who's in charge. So now you can sit back and say, oh, I'm going to fight these people. How are you going to fight them? You don't have the money. Oh, well, if you can't beat them, join them. You don't need to join them either. What you need to do is just do your own thing. Do what you like or good, profitable, and can control, and ignore the rest of it. It's going to play out because you don't have the power to do it. And you don't, you're never going to get the collective power. It's like AOC. That's just an acute distraction, okay? If she becomes really obnoxious, things will happen to her. She'll be gone. It's always going to be that way. So you have to understand in the world, the world has always functioned this way. It's always functioned based upon a benevolent dictator. There are always going to be people who are really, really smart. I, for example, went to college, took a test, and didn't have to take any mathematics classes. None whatsoever. So I want you to watch this item that's on Netflix, okay? It's called Inside Bill's Brain, Decoding Bill Gates. It's on Netflix. I'll give you the link. I got news for you. It's always been this way. This is why we think that you have to live your life like it's a lifestyle business. So I want you to insert your name, and I'm going to use mine. I'm Paul Truesdell, okay? I'm Paul Truesdell, and I'm a lifestyle business, where business is a lifestyle. Simply insert your name. If you're Bob Smith, I'm Bob Smith, and I'm a lifestyle business where business is a lifestyle. Real simple, okay? I don't care who you are. That's the way it works. Now, I'm going to tell you why I did this segment, because I watched a Netflix show about Bill Gates. When I was done, I had one of those moments where I went, ah, now it all makes sense. So here's what's going on. We just got to connect the dots. That's what this show is all about. I'm asking you right now, before I give you the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey used to say, to tell family, friends, neighbors, relatives, and coworkers, listen to this podcast. This is an example of the kind of work that we do at our firm. And so here's an actionable item that I think you might want to pay attention to. This was a puff piece on Netflix. It shows this man who has aged really badly, a man who is basically my age, who looks like he could be my father. Bill Gates looks old. Bill Gates is worth a lot of money. Bill Gates is a quant. Quantitative analysis is crunching the numbers. Bill Gates also is very good at qualitative analysis. The number of things that Bill Gates does that I do is amazing. I go for walks, for example. I don't eat breakfast, for example. For a snack, I eat nuts, for example. What he does, he drinks soft drinks. What was he drink? He, they show him drinking, I think, Diet Coke or whatever. Well, of course he does because Warren Buffett has a big position in Coca-Cola. That was nothing more than placement of a product, product placement in a show. No doubt about it. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is a cutthroat SOB businessman. If you know his history, oh my God, you would never. But he comes across as a loving grandfather. Well, Bill Gates is older now. He comes across as a loving grandfather. But there's a couple of things. One of Bill Gates' best friends dies. He falls down from a mountain, mountain climbing. Oh, mountain climbing, that's an American thing. That guy dies. Tim, uh, Tim Allen, Bob, Allen, whatever Allen's name was. He died, another good friend of his, right? They just talk about Balmer very, very quickly, but it was all about humanizing Bill Gates, humanizing Bill Gates, humanizing Bill Gates. Talked about Bill Gates wanting to solve polio and solving, uh, it wasn't polio, whatever it was, solving various diseases and, and, and sanitation. Here's the key thing. If you watch this, and again, I encourage you to do this. Watch all the episodes of this, and you're going to sit back. If you don't sit back and go, man, that guy Truesdale really really has got his shit together, nothing's going to work, okay? Nothing will work. And again, this, you know, okay, the, the, the article or the show is called Inside Bill's Brain. Well, this gives you inside Paul's brain, decoding Paul Truesdale's brain. This is the way we do what we do, forecasting in our company. It's a puff piece. It was to make him look like Mr. Rogers. Jesus, crime and the almighty. He put on sweaters. They even showed him putting on a sweater. What's the point, Paul? Because Bill Gates wants to improve the world for green energy. And the only way to improve the world and get away from fossil fuels is nuclear power. The problem is the tsunami in Fukushima, and then you had Three Mile Island. You got all these people who are freaking out. Now, the Chinese are smarter than the average cat. They actually were willing to let Bill Gates and his team 
have created the newest version of using spent uranium and how we have tons and tons and incredible amounts of spent uranium, okay? You got to understand the the uh, mechanics of nuclear energy and, and, and power and how that works. You just got to get, you got to get a handle on it. Take your time and spend some time. So now the newest generation of, again, nuclear power plants is nowhere near as dangerous. I mean, it's just not. It's probably safer than anything else. But here's the thing. We have to have a messiah. You have to have someone that everybody likes. You have to have an Arnold Schwarzenegger to be the governor because McClintock ain't going to get it done. You have to have a powerful group of people behind you like the East India Company. You got to keep the people happy with the things that they need, food, shelter, water, clothing. And people want to be led by Mr. Rogers. Look at Bernie Sanders. Now, Bernie Sanders will not be president of the United States. He's got a heart attack. He's, he's, he's the walking dead. But one of the reasons people like him, because look at the guy. I mean, he looks like crazy Mr. Rogers on, uh, on steroids, okay? Uh, the, the reality is people want real leadership. They're not going to vote for Beetle Man. They're not going to do that. You know, white men that are handsome ain't, don't have a chance anymore. You got to have a shtick. Why do you think Arnold Schwarzenegger got ahead in life? Because of the way he talks? No, because he was a bodybuilder, and everybody knows you know, even if you take steroids, I mean, it takes a lot of dedication. And then when he found out that he has an economics degree from the University of Wisconsin, from Madison, maybe the guy's not dumb. Then he realized he's worth oh, a major amount of money. Okay, can't be any worse than these morons we have running California, right? He turned out to be just as big a loser as anybody else out there. But here's the thing. Just think it through. Why did Trump have uh, orange man scare me? You know, when, when uh, what was that conservative talk show host? I can't remember his name. Um, hmm radio talk show host, you know, orange man, he put his face in Cheetos. Prove me right there. He doesn't know what, he, you're a dumbbell. Why do you think he has his hair the way he's got it? Why do you think he carries himself? Historically, he's worn different ties, but he, he's pretty much, you know, dark suit, white shirt, red tie. Why does Putin have the same thing on? Because you can use old footage and show Putin running around over in, uh, in this area or that area. You don't know what the date of it is because he always looks the same. There's a reason for familiarity. So here's the key thing. That whole thing was a setup because we are going nuclear. And I don't care what all the greenies have to say. It's really efficient. And what Bill Gates and his team have done is cool, but you can't do it. Oh, you got the quantitative, but you got to get the qualitative. The qualitative is a selling. So what did I just do? I just showed you that the reality in life is it all connects together. Why do we have a trade? Oh, hey. Oh, me, oh, my. This trade war with China, this is terrible. We can't have that. Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, that's terrible. That's terrible. Trump is out of his mind. Oh. Is he out of his mind or was he intentionally, potentially also saying, we got to stop Gates and his people from building all of these nuclear power plants in China? China is building nuclear power plants like crazy. If they get all our technology and we're just falling that much further behind, wait and see. There's going to be a, more and more of these kinds of items. And people who are anti-nuclear power are going to get shut down. Yeah, well, that's fine. We can go ahead and let all the greenies talk, all the solar, all the wind, all that stuff. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But it's just a matter of time before we slowly start to introduce new nuclear power plants here in the United States. Now, some people will say it's, it ain't going to happen anytime soon because it just takes too long. Ah! I'm here to say that if Donald Trump gets reelected president of the United States... I think you're going to see a fast tracking of nuclear power plant building, and I think you're going to see Gates and his team do really well. If they don't do it here, they're going to go someplace else. That other place is Africa. It's going to you're going to see tons of nuclear power plants going in with again spent uranium. It's a different type of approach. So once we say nuclear power, everybody ah, because it's short sighted. You got to know the whole facts and figures. This was a puff piece. This multi part show will show you money, long-term thinking, how things don't happen just one single generation. People that are given the authority by that elite group to really do it. This is not a, you know, we elect a president for four years. That's a joke. We elect senators for six. They should be six and out. We elect members for Congress for two. Okay, but after four terms, they should be out. We should be electing the president for like 10 years. We should have longer time horizons on things. 
But the way we're doing it right now, it's always the short term. It's always a capital gain. It's the it's what what have you done for me lately? You know, we're going to lose this battle with China because they are long term thinkers. We're going to lose the battle if we're going to fight Russia because they are really long term thinkers as well. Eastern or rather Western European countries going to hell in a handbasket. Eastern European countries that were under communism are going. Nah, we don't want to do this. The power is always shifting. It's never stable. But our days of being big dog on campus, it's not there. We just don't have the people. We don't have the money. We don't have the long-term thinking. But we do have people like Bill Gates. We do have people like Netflix. We do have people out there who understand that you have to methodically work things and slowly do it. You build up your IOUs. You build up your your street cred with people. And then you actually do what you got to do. Now, here's something you want to always remember and never forget. Oh. It's the same thing with these annuity and life insurance or non-traded real estate investment trusts. It's the same thing with these commission-based salespeople. They get your trust and confidence slowly, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then they go for the big score. The big score is going to be nuclear power. And so, what did I do? We just tied a whole bunch of things together. You can say, hey, Paul, you're full of shit. I got no problem with that. <gasps> but there's still going to be tsunamis. There's still going to be major earthquakes. We're still going to have sunspots. Someday we're going to have a big uh, meteor going to hit the earth. We're still going to have changes in government. And no matter whether we call it a union or a confederation, people have to get along. If not, people revolt. People revolt when you don't have the basics, food, shelter, water, clothing. In this case, energy is a big deal now. Companies have always been connected to government, and frankly, companies run government. When we repealed the 17th Amendment, there's no longer the appointment of senators by states. States' rights is dead. The 10th Amendment is dead. And Republicans are just one coin, two sides of the same coin. doesn't make any difference. East India Company. If you start to force people down, you know, things down their throat, oh, taxation without representation, that's a good slogan. All it was was a group of people here who are business people that want to have their own power structure. That's all there is to it. When you're on the same side of the table, that's a fiduciary relationship. That's what a mutual insurance company was all about. And guys like John Adams and the founding of our country, they didn't want everybody to vote. They always viewed that as mob rule, and that was never going to happen. The hell with democracy and the hell with uh, with a Republican form of government. The only form of government that ever lasts really long, long term is a benevolent dictatorship. And that dictatorship is, is what works. In China, they don't have a representative government. The true power elite on top, man, that's, that's a weird situation they got there. Oh, people get to vote for some things. But that's on the local level. Remember what I said. It's about corporatocracy. Business runs everything. Calvin Coolidge even says it. What's the business of our government? It's business. So don't freak out over this stuff. It's just time for you to realize that nothing gets done by the 99% of the world. In fact, the top 1% doesn't do anything either. It's that one-tenth of 1% that really does everything. They have the financial means, the power, and the control. And those folks, they stick together. Oh, they may bitch and complain each other in public, when it comes right down to it, they stick together. And when you upset the apple cart, I got news for you. You may upset it, but eventually you're going to be forced to come in line. If not, well, as Gray Davis will use the word gray, the gray state's going to bring you in come hell or high water. Law enforcement and military, you're just a gang. You're doing the bidding of everybody else. And so there's always going to be those companies, those people who are pretty smart. They're going to take advantage of a situation like Enron did. And you're going to have people that are just too dumb to get out of their own way who play both ends of the stick. And all of a sudden they get burned, got nowhere to go. And that's what happened with Arthur Anderson. Bottom line is there's some really smart people out there. And Bill Gates is one of those. But Bill Gates... Yeah, that whole thing was about nuclear energy, folks. That's what it's all about. Mr. Rogers is going to bring you and I nuclear energy. Well, I began this podcast, I thought I would go ahead and go into some bite-sized bites. I even told you I was going to do that. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to save those and do those on Friday. So join me on Friday when we will cover a whole bunch of bite-sized bites. Today turned out to be a deep dive connecting a whole bunch of dots. Please do us a favor. Make sure to uh, tell family, friends, neighbors, relatives, and coworkers, because this is a good example of what you're going to get with connecting dots.
That does it for today. Thanks for joining me. I'm Paul Truesdell with Fix Cost Financial. You can reach us by phone by calling 212-433-2525 between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's 212-433-2525. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. But ideally, for links, notes, PDFs, videos, and more to this podcast, well, simply go directly to FixCostFinancial.com and click on the blog or podcast links. For quick reference, and this is easy to remember, simply type dots.fm. That's dots.fm. Isn't that cool? And you'll land right on our podcast page. Now visit Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, where it's better because it's simple and works. Break the mold and do it today. All rights reserved. Reproduction or use without written authorization prohibited without written authorization. Well, I hope you enjoyed that edition of Connecting Dots. That was a lot of fun to do. And I um, have a couple of items I want to share with you that I think are relevant to this week. Now, President Donald Trump, as you may or may not know, is headed to Minneapolis. And what we believe will happen in Minneapolis is going to be a cluster duck, D-U-C-K. I didn't use the F word. I said cluster duck. And I will tell you that I'm legitimately concerned for the safety of President Trump because the Minneapolis-St. Paul area is got some real issues. Now, the law enforcement personnel in Minneapolis are not thrilled that he's coming. No politician there, well, let's just simply say the overwhelming majority of the liberal politicians, the Democrats, are literally saying, we just don't care. We can't prevent him. So he's doing a rally. But I want you to think about this really, really carefully. President Trump was unable to go to San Francisco for a fundraiser without being in fear of death or great bodily harm. And people talked about it. We know that the Hollywood elites have basically tried to blackball anyone that gives money. It's, It's a real issue, right? In other words, do as I say, not as I do. Everybody has free speech except for you. Um, you have, for example, Camilla Harris, who was on CNN saying that she wanted and it contacted Jack Dorsey of Twitter to try to get President Trump's Twitter account banned, that he doesn't deserve free speech and said that it's a, it's a private enterprise. And it was really funny because Jake Tapper on CNN said, well, but everybody deserves to have free speech and Twitter. He didn't use the word utility, but he said everybody deserves to have an account. We'll tell that to the thousands and thousands of people who have had their accounts banned by Twitter people because they have different political views. The hypocrisy is just amazing. But I guess the question about you, you I know you wrote to um, Twitter and the CEO, uh, Jack Dorsey, and asked him to take away the president's yeah. Twitter handle, his account. How is that not a violation of free speech? I mean, the president has the same rights that you have, that I have, and how would that not just be a slippery slope where they have to ban, you know, half of the people on Twitter? I've heard that argument, but but here's the thing, Jake. First of all, a, a corporation, which is what Twitter is, um, does not have the, it has obligations, and in this case, Twitter has terms of use policy. And their terms of use um, dictate who receives the privilege of speaking on that platform and who does not. And Donald Trump has clearly violated the terms of use. And there should be a consequence for that. Not to mention the fact that he has used his platform, being the president of the United States, in a way that has been about inciting fear and potentially inciting harm against a, a witness to what might be a crime against our country and our democracy. And for that reason, I do believe that he is that it's clear that he has violated the terms of use. And I'm asking that Twitter does what it has done in previous occasions, which is to revoke someone's privilege um, because they have not they've not lived up to the to the advantages of the privilege. But the real threat is this. One of the things that we do is we follow extremist groups here at Fixed Cost Financial. And when I say extremist groups, I'm not talking about the typical extremist groups that are being painted with a big, broad brush. Uh, the, um, 
there are people who are being labeled extremists that aren't extremists. They're just expressing a view. In other words, if you express a view that somebody doesn't like, the person now, depending upon who you are, gets to claim that you're Hitler, you're Nazi, you're you're racist, or just everything. You know, we all know what's going on. People just don't have the, the intestinal fortitude. I, I could say the balls. They don't have the, the balls to call it the way it is. What we do, because we're not in the business of emotional investing, we are a quantitative forecasting first, and then we use the qualitative to refine. But here's the thing. When Trump went to Chicago and was unable to go and give a talk to his people, the mainstream media did not report anywhere near the number of assaults on his supporters. Now, this group called Antifa, there are a massive number of people who will be in Minneapolis in the Minnesota area who are going to protest Trump. I want you to go back in time, and I want you to bear with me as I'm going to give you a couple of different items. So in 1958, Richard Nixon was the vice president of the United States, and his motorcade was attacked in Caracas, Venezuela. And as a result, it was one of the most violent attacks ever perpetrated on what we would call a high American official on foreign soil. Nixon and his aides were very close to not only being injured, but being killed. Um, his entourage was unarmed, and it took just place, just a few mom- uh, months after what happened in Venezuela, which was um, the overthrow of Venezuelan dictator uh, Marcos, I believe is Jamez. So he was a granted asylum in the United States, and the incident was organized by the Communist Party of Venezuela. Um, U.S. Navy Admiral Burke mobilized a fleet of marine units in the region, and they had to provide full protection for Nixon for the remainder of the trip. Here's the thing that I want you to understand. Nobody talks about that. And that had a real profound effect on Eisenhower. And Eisenhower mobilized a U.S. carrier and eight destroyers and two amphibious assault ships, and we were heading to, to Venezuela. Eisenhower was pissed. And the whole area was considered violent and irrational. What do you think we got going on in the United States today? When a presidential candidate cannot get to in front of his supporters. Now, the supporters are for Donald Trump. A lot of them have figured out you got to have cameras and you got to get the information out. Now, while Twitter will silence people, same thing with Facebook, you do realize that you can't shut down all of the sites. The information gets passed along. I'm here to tell you that I think that the violence in Minnesota, just be, just based upon the character of the of the people in Minnesota, okay? Not everybody, but there's a huge segment of people that are just white Anglo-Saxon, delusional. You got a lot of Somalis. You just got a lot of people up there that just something's wrong up there that you're going to see a freaking bloodbath. And I think a lot of the Trump supporters that go to this rally are going to get injured. I think some of them are going to fight back. The media will portray those fighting back as all bad. What you're going to, however, see is the alternative to the lamestream media. They're going to get the word out. Now, we have been looking and following some of these sites. It is amazing to see what both sides are doing. It's also amazing to see how law enforcement is focusing only on one side, not the Antifa, but basically the Trump supporters are being targeted already up there. Now, with that being said, what will happen when the presidential motorcade is attacked? You have significant groups of people attack. The local police just don't really do much. To what degree will the Secret Service actually protect the president of the United States? That's a question I legitimately have. And it's not, a, it's not against the Secret Service, but look, you know, your federal law enforcement and your brothers and sisters in the FBI and CIA could give a shit about the president. They just soon throw him under the bus. Where are your loyalties going to go? Is it to the presidency? Are you going to be able to disassociate yourself from the president? You know, this is not like the president going to other places where local law enforcement likes him. This is a place where they don't like him. In California, it's the same thing. There's a lot of places where, you know, it's a no man's land. What's the point? The point is we connect dots. And what we are seeing here in the United States is the same bifurcation, the same balkanization, the lack of law and order that happens in other nations, which we call tuna boat nations across the world. So going back to Nixon, uh, one of the things I think we should really talk about is that one of the things when he was traveling, 
uh, he was at the, a place called the University of San Marcos. He was in Lima, Peru. And I've studied all of this quite extensively. One of the things that happened is there's a pretty large group of student student demonstrators. These were communist students. And what they were doing is they really started this whole thing going on. Nixon went into the crowd directly, into the crowd, into the demonstrators. He only had two people with him. This is a vice president of the United States, two staff members, no security. And over his next few minutes, he spoke to everybody. Then a second faction of the demonstrators started stoning the group and hitting one of Nixon's staff in the mouth. It, Nixon got clipped on the neck with a stone, a rock, and he, he withdrew. And he let her told a roundtable group of students, um, listen, the, the thing is canceled. He went back to his hotel. But they had to push through demonstrators who were encamped on the outside, and he was struck in the face. Um, Eisenhower cabled Nixon as next stop which was in Ecuador, and he said, your courage, your patience, your calmness, demonstration directed against you by radical agitators have brought a, you a new respect and admiration in our country. I am certain that the vast majority of citizens in both Peru and the United States deplore the incident caused by a few. I note with satisfaction that the Peruvian government has already expressed to you its regret. I feel that every participant in the mob finally come to feel a sense of guilt and embarrassment because of his failure to show uh, towards you, a, friend, a friendly visitor, ordinary measure of courtesy and hospitality. Give my love to Pat and more regards to yourself. Okay, that's kind of a pussyfied statement. I would have said, hey, Dick, next time you get hit, knock the motherfucker in the mouth. Here's the thing. You think Trump is going to put up with that kind of bullshit? I don't think so. So one of the things I'm telling you right now, I'm not forecasting. Okay, I'm not. Well, let me do this. I am not. In, I'm not looking forward to this, but. We are actually forecasting that an uncontrolled mob event will take place this Thursday. We also believe that it will tremendously affect the election coming up, where in Nixon's case, a silent majority people who are in the past haven't really spoken about are going to get fed up. And so you turn your cheek, you get hit. You turn your cheek, you get hit. There's a, a significant number of people in this country who are tired of turning their cheek and getting hit. And I think that if this goes the way we think it could go, uh, it won't be a, a big rally. A lot of people with cameras are going to be taking pictures of just normal everyday people getting their ass beat. Wouldn't be surprised if several people are killed who are supporters of uh, Donald Trump. It just is what it is. And that will bode very badly for the Democrats who are seeking to become president of the United States. It's not fair to them. Um, it's not fair to those who are running, who have kept their tongues in place. I don't know who has, everybody on the Democratic side. And the Republicans are all a bunch of nut jobs. But I wouldn't want to be a Secret Service agent right now in any way, shape, or form. This is going to be rough on you. And for local law enforcement who actually understand the U.S. Constitution, understand their duties, um, it's going to be pretty tough for you guys because you're working with a lot of baby boomers who are now running things who are my age. And I'm embarrassed that you have to work for people who are my age group who are nothing but a bunch of pussy boys. <laughs> 